0: Hello, Orchard. Here we are, our fourth week of Advent. And today, the candle is the love candle. And then that makes so much sense. I mean, here we are with, with Christmas and love. Usually, around this time, the social and emotional atmosphere is a bit different. There's joy in the air. There's constant wishes of Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays when you go into shops or when you, you, know, you go into a restaurant. where there's, there's Christmas music playing everywhere, which just makes you smile there's a greater sense of, of grace for your fellow human. Maybe less frustration with that slow car in front of you. Less likely to get, to get hooked with the news or, or something somebody posts on social media. But, but this year, it's, it seems a bit different, doesn't it? I mean, there's, there's a sense that everyone is a little bit more on edge. Christmas parties, canceled. Family gatherings, postponed. Jobs, Slowing down, financial insecurity, frustration seems to be higher. We've talked about this, the fear of the unknown as we go into to the next coming weeks. I mean, I mean, but one thing we do know is that this is our second to last Sunday of 2020. That's right. Next Sunday is the last Orchard 2020 sermon. And these last two sermons are meaningful because I want to really look at some issues that have arisen in 2020, and that will be vital as you go into 2021. You see, there's some things I want us to leave in 2020, and there's also some things I want you to to pick up, or pick up again as you go into 2021. And next week, we're going to get into the meat of that, but this week, we're going to focus on this advent of love, which ironically is very important to God and His kingdom, One of the Greek words for for love is agape. We've talked about this before over this year. And agape love is is the big, like the highest form of love. Agape love is that unconditional love that God has for you and me. Agape is the love that that doesn't stop when we make bad decisions. Agape love is the love that forgives even the hundredth time you do what you shouldn't do. It's the love that, that was created by God. It's perfect. Agape is referenced 253 times in the New Testament. And of those references, 116 of them use agape as a noun, while 137 of them use agape as a verb. It's love in substance, and it's love in action. And we, we see a lot about love. Here's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13.3. It says this, Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love and the greatest of these is love but here's the bottom line like i don't have to convince you that love is important you know it we know that love is needed we 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 crave love we give love we get that love is important i mean to a human as important as the air we breathe but but despite our knowledge of love and how important it is we often forget how easy it is to just do the loving, to be a loving person. We may resonate with the noun of love, but we neglect to engage in the verb of agape love to those around us. And if you're like me, at some point in 2020, it revealed what you love the most. I mean, family, friends, and faith. Those three things rose to the top of my list through this season. Family, friends, and, and, and faith. While so many other important things that I thought I loved kind of got put in their correct priority. They got put in their place. And it's, it's amazing. All it took for me to realize this was a global pandemic, right? We, that's how we learned what, what's most important. That's how we learned what we love the most. And here's the hard part. Jesus never asked us to just love family, friends, and faith. I mean, if he did, following Jesus would be easy to just love our family. Well, most of the time. And our friends. Most of the time and our faith. But what God asks of us, his followers, it's it's much more beautiful. It's much more bold. It's actually more difficult, but it's also more daring to, to, to love those in our lives who aren't easy to love. So... I want to talk about love today, and I want to talk about it in context of the vision here at the Orchard. And you know what that is. You love God, love people. Many of you have it on your t-shirts. Um, some of you have it on your cars, on your, on your social media walls. Love God, love people. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is preaching a sermon. And the crowds are gathered, and they're amazed at his words. But there were those present who were just not impressed at all. The religious leaders of the day were there, and they had a stranglehold on the people and the religion. And see, they did not like this revolutionary rabbi, Jesus, going around preaching new life and full life outside of their control and their regulations and their rules. And so they got together, and in Matthew 22, verse 35, we pick up this. It says this, it says, One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Now, this guy's an expert in the law, and the, and the law here isn't like the legal law. It's the Old Testament. It's the oral traditions and regulations. It's their word that they had, they had built all on top of it. So this guy had spent his entire life studying the Old Testament. And in fact, in their culture, he would have memorized the entire Tanakh. He'd memorized the entire Hebrew Testament, the, our Old Testament. This guy is, is the LeBron James of Old Testament scholars. I mean, he, he can dunk on anyone when it comes to a theological debate. He steps forward in verse 36. Jesus, he asks, which is the greatest commandment in all the law? Jesus, in all the Bible, which one is the most important? This would be like asking a police officer, hey, hey, which, which law is the most important for me to follow? Well, the answer is all of them, depending on the circumstance and depending on on what you're doing. Of all the commandments, Jesus, which one is the most important? Now, you're here with me, and when I ask you how many commandments there are in the Bible, we often think, well, there's 10. There's 10 commandments. There's 10 commandments that are on stone tablets, but what if I ask you to name them? Could you name the 10 commandments? Like, I'm not going to quiz you right now, but but how many can you name? Let's see. Um, Don't covet. Like, don't cuss. Don't. Don't kill and don't be a Chiefs fan. Something like that. It's pretty easy, right? We can get these. Now, if we know the Ten Commandments, but did you know in the Old Testament, this expert in the law and his friends, they would know there's actually 613 commandments in the, in the Old Testament. From not cutting the sides of your hair to what kind of cloth you can wear to what you can eat. And the religious leaders, they took those 613 commandments and then from those, they grew thousands of other commandments, nuanced regulations of what you could and what you couldn't do. And now this practice of adding spiritual regulations and rules on top of God isn't just for them, these these religious guys. We do this even now. I mean, in some churches, you can't wear a hat, right? In fact, I looked up actual laws here in the USA concerning churches that we've created. Listen to this. This is real. In Mississippi, private citizens, private citizens may personally arrest anyone who disturbs a church service. I mean, can you imagine that? Never bring your toddler to church in Mississippi. That baby will end up in jail. But more sobering. In Nicholas County, West Virginia, it states, no member of the clergy is allowed to tell jokes or humorous stories from the pulpit during a church service. And I take that one very seriously. Another rule, unwritten and, uh, but understood, in the South, two Baptists are not allowed to recognize each other in a liquor store. You see, God gave his commands, but we just can't help adding more stuff on top of it. So when the religious leader asks, when he, when he asks which commandment's the most important, Jesus, he's setting, a, he's setting a trap for Jesus. Like he wants to discredit him. I love this moment. It's, it's, it's out in the hot and dry Middle Eastern sun. A large crowd is gathered to hear Jesus, to engage with them. Off to the side is this pack of the religious elite, just, just looking, looking for their moment to, to set the trap on, on him. Their greatest expert in the law steps forward, and the crowd hushes. Everybody gets quiet. The religious leaders are excited. Maybe they'll catch him this time. The disciples get nervous. The, the, the man who's stepping forward in their culture, he is very powerful and influential. And he's, he's, he's coming to their rabbi. The wise and the law expert looks Jesus in the eye, clears his throat, and asks Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Which is the greatest? I love the drama of this moment, but, but here's the reality. While people around there might have been hushed in nervousness, here's what's actually happening. A human who's made it his life's work since childhood to, to memorize and know a sacred text approaches the divine God incarnate who authored the text and tries to trap him. And although it must have been a bit amusing from God's point of view, the question, I believe, is still a valid question. I mean, let me ask you the Ten Commandments. Which of the one of the Ten Commandments is, would you say is most important? Which of the 613 laws of the Old Testament is preeminent? Of the thousand laws and regulations that over time religion has added, which one's the greatest? See, Jesus doesn't flinch. He steps forward and answers this. In verse 37, Jesus replied, which commandment is the greatest? This one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love God with all that you are. This is the most important command in the Bible. Put God first in your life, in all ways, in all things. It's as simple as that, and it's as difficult as that. But Jesus isn't done. Verse 39, he says, he's going to give him a little extra credit. He says, and the second greatest is this, love people as yourself. Jesus tells us that the Bible has a very simple, central truth. Love God and love people. And in the orchard, we take Jesus at his word when it comes to this. This is our heartbeat. This is our DNA. This is what we believe. That this is our it's not just our vision, it's who we are. Love God, love people. And remember, all people, no asterisks, no matter their affiliation, orientation, connection, or persuasion. All people, no matter their background and what they've done, no matter their future and what they will do, no matter their, their income or gender or political party or, or no matter their social media postings, love people. Love God and love people. And this is great news. This is a wonderful news for any of you wounded in the past, wounded by church, or confused by Christianity, assuming that you have to adjust to all these nuanced laws and regulations and do's and don'ts. Listen. You don't need to follow 613 commandments to follow Jesus. You don't need thousands of religious ordinances and regulations from modern churches and denominations. You love God and you love people. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love people as yourself. Love is central to following God. It's central to following Jesus because it's central to God's heart. In fact, in 1 John 4, eight, it says it very plainly, it says, God is love. Like, that's who he is. It's his very nature. Love comes from him. He, he, love finds its origin in God. He's the author. He's the creator of it. And we're called to love him. Jesus' answer was to love God, not just in general, but with all of our heart, our affections, with our soul, the deepest part of who we are in our identity, with our mind and, and how we think and what we think on, and with our strength, all the resources and gifts from our life, a truly holistic and encompassing love where my my whole life, my whole life declares affection for my God. I'm constantly challenged by this and how I love God. And the most important thing to do, if you want to see your heart clearly and how you're loving God, one of the most important things is not to compare. Don't compare to somebody else because two things will happen. You'll feel really good about how you're doing when you compare to this person and really bad when you compare to this person. And so instead of, instead of comparing, I model. I try to model my love after the love Jesus revealed to us when he walked the earth by the way he lived. If God is love and Jesus is God in the flesh, then if we learn to love more like Jesus did, I think that's a worthy endeavor. I think that's worth our life. No comparison, just modeling. It's reading about Jesus. It's reading God's word and being mentored on how, what it looks like to love God and love people. Because here's how did Jesus love? How did he love? He loved sacrificially. He loved passionately. He loved authentically. He, he loved his family even when they turned on him. He loved his friends even when they betrayed him. He loved his followers even when they deserted him and he loved his enemies even when they tortured him. I mean, he hung on the cross with nails in his hand and he claimed forgiveness to the very people who put them there. Jesus' love is so beautiful and so pure and so courageous, so consuming. But there's one place in the Bible I want to kind of pause and focus on before we end. It's this, you know, Jesus is nearing the end of his time on earth. He's he's with his disciples and and he's giving them final instructions. He's revealing more of the plan for them as they move forward without him. So we turn to John 13, verse 34, and we find Jesus saying something very unique. John 13, verse 34 A new command I give you. A new command? Only the Son of God can do this. No rabbi, no teacher, no expert, no king can truly add a command to the Word of God. But Jesus does it. He says, I'm going to add a commandment. A new command I give you. Now, if you were there in that room, if you were there with Jesus and he says, a new command I'm going to give you, what would you assume it's going to be? I mean, even now, if you don't know the rest of the verse, Like, what's the one thing he's gonna do? Like, yeah, don't wear a hat in church. That's the new thing. What's it gonna be? What would he say? The disciples probably wondered. And here's the amazing part about this this command that he's about to give, if we fully step into this, it solves our marriage issues, it clarifies our our parenting issues. It, It will change how you lead others if you're the boss, it'll change how you follow your boss. It'll transform how you behave on social media. It will change how you, how you see people who don't look like you, don't vote like you, and don't behave like you. This command changes how you engage the world. That's why it's so big. Okay, so, so what is it? What's the command? Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. That's it. It wasn't a, a big list of religious do's and don'ts. It wasn't about changing how you, how you look or talk to fit in at church. No, no. It, it, was, it was love, one, another. Which, which weaves beautifully in with the greatest commandments we've just looked at. Love God and love people. I, I hope you're seeing that, that those are the lifeblood of, of God, of Jesus, and following Him. It's the, it's the DNA of heaven. And so it says here, Or notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say, a new tip I give you. A new wise way I'm going to propose to you. Or a new step towards happiness I leave you. He doesn't say, hey, here's something you might want to consider. Jesus steps out and says, a new command I give you. A new command. Love people. Loving people is a command, which which is where I want to end today. Because 2020... We have we have gone over this this year. 2020 has worked frustration and bitterness into us. Many of us have been very frustrated this year by other people, other people who don't vote like we do, other people who don't behave like we do, other people who don't think like we do about a pandemic, other people who believe differently about a a piece of cloth over our face. Other people who share different articles than we like on social media. Other people on TV who are giving us news. Other people who are tweeting things that we recoil to. Other people who are out there shouting things in the streets. 2020 has highlighted, magnified, and exploited us versus them. And the reality is, you're us and them, somebody else in the orchard has a different them and a different us. We all have a spectrum. It has exploited us this year. We picked up some bitterness towards people. And I want us to be reminded that Jesus had a new command. And I want us to look at what it means as as we wind this year down. As we close the book on 2020. As we put it behind us. Finally, I want us to stop and look at this. Because love and bitterness don't come from the same well. Love and bitterness don't spring from the same heart. And if, and if we're honestly going to say yes to God, Jesus' command of, of, of loving others, then I believe we need to take a moment and just pause. Just pause and have an honest conversation with ourselves and with God about who we are bitter at. That's an important conversation. This is, this is a worthy of your time as you're ending 2020 because you can't be bitter at that person or that group and follow this command of Jesus. A new command I give you. So here's your challenge today. This is, it's pretty simple. Let me give it away right here. The challenge is this. To formally and freely forgive the other people, the thems that you're bitter at. To give forgiveness, to grant forgiveness. I have a friend who I talked to and he has a sister that he hasn't had communication with in years. There was a family fallout and, and all communication conversations stopped. The Bitterness on both sides. His sister had never actually met his daughter and it looked like they never would. One thing I love about my friend, this guy in particular, is that when, when he finally knows something in his knower, when he's convicted by God and it settles down into his heart, he acts on it. And a few weeks ago, he was at work. He was hammering nails into something. And this was going through his head and going through his heart. And he just stopped. Put the hammer down. Walked outside. Got on his phone and called her. She didn't answer. And so he left her a voicemail. He didn't say, hey, call me back. He just asked forgiveness. He said, I want want a different relationship. I'm so sorry for what happened. Can we put it behind us? He hung up. Went back to work. Well, she called 10 minutes later. And through tears, she apologized as well. And they they talked. They caught up. And then they decided there on the phone that their families would do Christmas together. Which came as quite a shock to the rest of the family. Here's the deal. We need to offer forgiveness to people. We need to to put down our bitterness as we head into 2021. And we need to ask forgiveness of, of others as well. But perhaps the person that you need to forgive or ask forgiveness of, maybe they're not reachable. Maybe they're on TV. Maybe they're dead. Or perhaps it would be unhealthy for you or unwise to re-engage communication with that person. There are people in my life who've hurt me and who've hurt my family that I've extended forgiveness toward verbally with no results back. But in my heart, I have to vigil- vigilantly keep bitterness away and hold that person in forgiveness, even though there's been no communication. Whatever the circumstances, our hearts need to, see, need to set ourselves free today by following Jesus' Jesus's command of love. A new command I give you, love one another. So here's the question. Who do you need to, who do you need to forgive? Who do you have bitterness towards? you may need to have a conversation with somebody today. I would have it while you're feeling the conviction and the courage for this. You may need to text or call somebody. You might need to email or write somebody. Or maybe you get a moment privately with yourself and you say their name out loud and declare forgiveness for that person. You can't contact them or it wouldn't be wise for you and you need to set them free and set your own heart free Listen, you don't want to go into 2021 with with bitterness still growing from 2020. We don't want to move forward in time, but, but stay in the past spiritually, stuck in bitterness. So your assignment is to pray about this and consider it. And to courageously forgive them and ask forgiveness. Out of love for God, out of obedience to His command, out of the desire to live a life out of bitter free from bitterness forgive because we were called to and forgive because we're commanded to and what are the results listen to the rest of the verse a new command i give you love one another jesus says as i have loved you so you must love one another and in doing this by this everyone will know that you are my followers if you love one another. By the way we love, the world will know we follow Jesus. Which means, if we live in bitterness, they're not going to know it all. The hope is that all will come to know Jesus. And by the way we live and love, they will know him through us. They will see him through us. So, forgive. Enter 2021 with a clean slate. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray you give us courage today. Courage courage to choose love and forgiveness. I pray right now that your spirit would move in conviction, not condemnation, in conviction, and that those names would come to our heart and mind. And that wherever they are, whether in our house, on TV, across the country, that we would forgive them. In Jesus' name, amen. Orchard, as we wind down this year, it's almost over. This year's almost over. I'm so grateful for those of you who have joined us and engaged with us through this. I'm grateful for the emails and the letters you've sent um, about what God's done in your life. I'd love to know more of you um, and how, how you've engaged through this year. But know that I'm praying for you. And, and as we go through this winter, if you have a prayer that you would like me to pray for, I want you to email me at daniel@theorchardlife.com. At And as we come to the conclusion of this year, I know that many of you are looking for ways to direct your your year-end giving. we love for you to consider The Orchard. And I'm so grateful for for those of you who have supported us through this year. It means the world. You can partner with us to fuel our vision by visiting www.theorchardlife.com. And a few last details about next week. Our annual Christmas Eve event serves thousands. It's one of the biggest things we have. And this year, it's not going to be in here. It's going to be on demand on Facebook and YouTube starting the morning of Christmas Eve. We have candles for you to light so you can hold them up with us during our Silent Night song. And so if you're local, show up here to the church. And outside, we have a canopy with Christmas kits in there with some hot chocolate and some candles for you to light with us. If you're out of town, please email us. At office at the OrchardLife.com, and we'll try to mail you a Christmas kit in time. And then next Sunday, that's the 27th, it is our annual Orchard at home, the Sunday after Christmas with no services in the building. And then on January 3rd, right back in here, 8:30 and 10 o'clock. And that's it. That's all the business today. Orchard, go forth boldly and love. Love the unlovable. Forgive. It'll change you. It'll change your 2021 more than you can fathom. I love you. I'm praying for you. And as always, love God and love people.